0: Yeah, God's had me on a real journey lately, hey. God's had all of us on a journey, I suppose. And, uh, and just in my readings of the scriptures at the moment, I've, I like to hit the minor prophets because I never read them enough. And, and so at the moment I tend to read a minor prophet and then I want to read a New Testament book because sometimes the minor prophets get a bit dry, but they're also so gold as well. Um, but sometimes I just like to hear about Jesus instead of... You're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> and uh, I, I was going through the story of Jonah a couple of weeks ago, and, and it was always as is timely with God. Um, I, was, I was going through some things, and, and particularly just, just one of the fruits of, of just something not good in my life was, was my sleep. And I've always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with sleep. Um, I'm getting better in Jesus' name, and I really am getting better in Jesus' name, uh, especially this week. Uh, but but God helped unpack some things with me that I've, I've never really understood in the story of Jonah. I really love the story of Jonah. I've, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, but Jonah himself, I've never really enjoyed so much. Uh, he's vexed me in the past. Whenever I've read it, I, I often get pretty frustrated with him and Why would you do that? What were you thinking? Has anyone ever thought that when they're reading the story of Jonah? That's a good idea, Jonah. Well done. How did that work out for you? Um, But the Lord was quick to remind me, especially this time that I read it, that uh, I'm not really much different from Jonah. I have a lot in common with him. Maybe not the the really angry part, but... um, I, I tend to run away from God on a regular basis. Maybe not as obvious as that, but, but I do it regularly. Uh, Jonah's just less pretentious with his stupidity. Whereas I tend to layer my stupidity in layers of subtlety and, and wisdom and false bravado and, and stuff like that. And I make it look better than what it really is. And so... Because Jonah's more honest with it, I I feel like he's got a bit of an edge over me because God can lead him to the truth quicker. It always pays to be honest with God. So, I want to read out the story of Jonah this morning uh, because I want to talk about some lessons that I've learned from him. But for some good context, I think we need to read the story. So, if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your devices, please follow along. If you just feel like listening, just close your eyes and drink it in now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying you know what I better pray actually (laughs) thank you Jesus that's the Jamie King paraphrase let's pray oh Lord we thank you for your word and that it is you who speaks and, and not me and I thank you Father that We are all willing to hear from you and to be changed. And uh, only you can bring conviction, Lord. Uh, I can try and persuade people, but it's got no eternal value. Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves and we ask you to speak to us and reveal to us whatever you need to and shine the light of Jesus in our hearts and encourage us. Reveal yourself. and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quieten down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up, and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quieten down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. ceased from its raging. Then the, men, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And turn from his fierce anger. So that we may not perish. When God saw what they did. How they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster. That he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. But. It displeased Jonah. Exceedingly. Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Who's ever persisted in a prayer like this when you just want to argue with God? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor. Nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Now we never really see Jonah's response ...to that healthy rebuke. Sometimes I think this story would be a great season one on Stan on Netflix... ...because it leaves on such a cliffhanger to get you hooked. Brilliantly written. But you know what's interesting? His birthplace is traditionally held... Not his birthplace, his burial. Much different is traditionally believed to be in Nineveh, outside of uh, the city of Mosul in Iraq. And uh, so Nineveh is, I mean, it's ruins now, and, and Mosul, which is like one of the capital cities in Iraq, was built just outside. And, and ISIS blew up um, his tomb a couple of years ago to loot it. And uh, the interesting thing was, After the Iraqi and and American forces took Mosul back, archaeologists went into the tomb, and believe it or not, they found King Sennacherib's tomb inside. Uh, Not tomb, palace underneath. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Now someone's going to fact-check me, and I might be wrong. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) All right. Just believe everything I say. So... Let's just recap a little bit, right? Jonah gets a word from the Lord. Go to Nineveh. Tell the Ninevites to repent. What? The Ninevites? You mean the capital city of Assyria? Our, they've been our enemies for centuries. This city is known around the world as a stronghold of evil and brutality. They're our enemies. You want me to go and tell them to repent? No. Not doing that. And so Jonah does something that is really wrong. However, it is unfortunately relatable. Isn't it? In of that way. Pew! He runs this highlights the first issue that God wants to deal with and it's called double-mindedness everyone say double-mindedness Oh, God has been dealing with me in the area of double-mindedness which has robbed me from sleep for probably 15 years that's how bad my double-mindedness has gotten I think God knew this was about to happen. I think he knew what Jonah was about to do, right? Let's talk about double-mindedness for a second. I want to go to James, because James talks about it very honestly. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 7 says... And how picturesque that Jonah, the double-minded, doubting, unstable man in all his ways, puts himself on a ship that is literally buffeted by the winds and the waves as a result of his double-mindedness. He really is a prophet. So we see that from James chapter 1, double-mindedness comes from doubt. Doubt in, well, but, you know, God's ways aren't really that good. I think my ways are better. If I'm doubting God's ways, it means I'm probably more so doubting his character or his ability to provide for me or to, to help me or to make things turn out for, for my benefit. I'm really just diminishing God. When I'm doubting him and his ways, sometimes we tend to think our ways are better and we know better. And so yeah, Jonah gets on this ship and the storm comes. And in the past, I'd always thought, man, these mariners are kind of kooky, right? They just, the weather is not obeying us. It's someone's fault. But I mean, sailors aren't stupid when it comes to the weather, right? They're used to, you know, before they take off, they're usually like, how's the weather looking? Looks like any storms coming? Eh, there's a couple of clouds in the sky, but it's pretty sunny. Nah, we're good. Let's go. But this storm just blindsides them like a telemarketer. And you don't know how to respond. And, and it... it <laughs> I don't know why I said that. And, and it comes against this ship and it, it's, it's just all of a sudden and the ship threatens to break up and the sailor's like, well, where did this come from? They start throwing things overboard and then the storm just continues to get worse so they all start crying out to their gods. and Whatever they're trying, this storm just seems to come up with a plan against them. like It's just out to get them. It's like, this is a supernatural storm. These guys haven't seen anything like this before. So they're like, this is just a weird storm. It's trying to kill us. Usually, we we know how to navigate this stuff, but this thing's just against us. Okay. Who is it? Who's done it? And, uh, you know, falls on Jonah. And they're like, what do we do to you? And Jonah says, the most logical thing you can say, you need to pick me up and throw me into the monsoon. And uh, and it's going to calm down for you. And to their credit, they don't want to do it. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're going we're gonna to keep going. And so they keep trying to, they try to row back to land. And, and I mean, it doesn't work and the storm gets worse. Kind of like, you know, when we try and control the situation, when everything gets wrong and then it keeps getting worse. And we're like, oh, my strength has failed me yet again. And, uh, and so they give up and they're like, okay, let's do what God wants us to do. People really don't change throughout the ages, do they? Time and circumstance changes, but people don't. We're just as stubborn. And uh, I always wondered why. If, if they're just trying to waste all this time and go back to land and things are getting worse, why didn't Jonah just throw himself into the sea? <laughs> you guys aren't listening. See you later. And go and do it. But figuratively speaking, they were all in the same boat. They were in the same problem. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you. Which means the mariners had to apply faith. And Jonah had to be a willing sacrifice in partnership. Kind of like someone we know, right? That's what a willing sacrifice has to do. It can't just go and do it itself. Someone has to sacrifice it in faith to save themselves. And this is the, well, it's actually the second time in this story so far that we see Jonah as a type of Christ. I'll leave you to figure out the first one. As a result, they all commit themselves to the Lord because no other God did that. And, all right, Jonah's in the sea. Fish swallows Jonah. Some people believe it's a whale. The Bible never says whale, it just says big fish. Might have been a whale, might have just been a big fish. And, uh, man, you read some of the weird legends around this story. He got swallowed by the fish and inside was a giant temple and there was a pearl in the middle that this fish swallowed that illuminated the whole place and and then he got into a bout with the Leviathan. You, you read some some crazy stories that, that uh, some cultures hold. But he's in this fish and he prays the most amazing prayer. And it's just... This has become my favorite prayer in the Old Testament because it's just got such a New Covenant theme to it. This is where he repents of his double-mindedness. He doesn't repent of his hatred towards the Ninevites, but that's okay, one thing at a time. We'll get there, Jonah. You're on the right track now. It took you being inside a fish to get there, but we're, we're, we're on the way. And... Uh, so he, re- he repents of double-mindedness here. And I was looking at the way he prays, and this is really a, so. It's a prayer of repentance. And so when I'm reading it, I'm comparing the way I repent with the way Jonah repents. And I've found that the way I repent is very different to the way Jonah repents. And it's not necessarily what he says that catches me, it's what he didn't say that catches me, because looking at my prayer, I say some things that he doesn't say. You know what I tend to say? I'll thank Jesus that he's done all the work, but I will nullify that by saying, Lord, please help me to do better. What's wrong with, Lord, please help me to do better? It's still putting the focus back on my efforts. Please help me not to sin against you. nothing wrong with those words in themselves but I know where that prayer is coming from and it's not coming from the completed work of Christ it's coming from Lord help me to give a better performance and, and I, I don't see that anywhere in Jonah's prayer you know what I see I, something to the effect of this, this is what I see Jonah's prayer as, I was dead If I wasn't dead, I was dying and passed out and I was expecting to die. But you brought me to life. Oh, thank you. Salvation belongs to you alone. You alone are worthy to follow and because salvation belongs to you and you've done this in my life, I'm just going to follow you. It's not, Lord, please help me to do better. It's, I'm going to follow you because I'm thankful because I know you've done it all. And my efforts count for nothing. I mean, if you ever want to say that people had a salvation experience in the Old Testament, I still believe they did. I I would say that prayer is a pretty good candidate. Because he was changed when he got out. I remember Pastor Rodney said once, uh, being born again is not about a behavioural change. I'm going to take it a step further. Neither is sanctification. Sanctification is not about a behavioral change. It's about becoming more of a believer. Because behavior is the fruit. That's going to happen anyway. Behavior is the fruit. Belief is the root. Amen. When the the crowds came to Jesus in uh, John chapter 6, they said to him, What must we do to fulfill the work of God? And Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. Why? Because you're believing, and when you believe, you entrust yourself to, you're partnering with. So you're you're partnering with the one who did all of the work that you couldn't do, and that faith means that work is now applied in your life. The completed works of God. Which is why when you believe in Christ. You have encountered the rest of God. And you live in it now. And your work ceases. Good work comes from rest. Or real work. When you believe in Christ. John 14.12 says. He who believes in me. Will do the works that I do. And greater because I go to the Father. So if you want to deal with. Double-mindedness. Look at the life and work of Jesus Christ in your life. Believe in it. Soak yourself in it. That's the only way to beat it. I was dead, now I'm alive. Thank you. That's real repentance. So even now I have to watch my words. And when I say, Lord, help me to do better. (laughs) Lord, help me to live for you. I've got, to, I've got to catch myself. I'm like, Oops, sorry, Lord. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. That's really the first point, double-mindedness. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, So Jonah's prayer, amazing prayer. It's his real prayer of repentance and faith. And it works because God commanded the fish to spit Jonah out of its mouth after that. And so he's freed from his prison. He's praying like, I'm set free. You raised me up from the depths. He's still inside a fish. And so, so he prays this amazing prayer of faith, and he gets deliverance from this situation. Ends up on a beach. And so, okay, now we're, now we're starting from scratch. Okay, Jonah, now go to the city of Nineveh and tell them to repent. Okay, I will do it now. I think it's important to note that uh, Jonah's journey didn't begin when he finally obeyed Jonah's journey began when God spoke even though Jonah ran the other way his journey still began and God just needed to start steering him in the right direction I just feel like I need to say to some of you that God's not done with you or you know maybe you feel like you've missed the mark but it doesn't matter maybe you have but God is God. He's he's still working on you and he's still doing things. He's not done with you yet. And so Jonah goes to Nineveh and he walks through the entire length of the city and people start repenting left, right and center and Jonah sees this. and Okay, the king repents. The people repent. The barn animals repent. That's real repentance when every man and literally his dog gets on their knees and raises their hands. What's Jonah's response? He gets furious, right? So he's preaching the gospel to all these people out of a sense of commitment to God, but not love for the people. And I would argue, or 1 John chapter 4 would argue, that if you don't love people, you can't love God, because you can't love God whom you cannot see if you can't love people whom you can see. Now, love for people doesn't come first. It's the love of God being transferred through you. But that's just the fr- Anyway. So Jonah's, Jonah hates these people, but he's preaching the message of salvation to them. What an interesting conundrum. I love this story. Okay. He gets angry and goes off at God. Yells at him. <laughs> but now this affords an opportunity for God to finally deal with his pride. And... Uh, Probably what I find most interesting in this whole story is that Jonah was less willing to repent than the Assyrians. Like, come on, God, this evil people, our enemies, they're known everywhere for their brutality and their cutthroat lives, their their, their lives. And, uh, you know, these people, I think they knew they were evil. And And yet... They heard the word and they repented, but Jonah, who gave them the message, wanted to hang on to his sin. That's the danger of self-righteousness. I think self-righteousness is the most dangerous thing in the universe. Because like, why, the devil's been defeated. He only does what we allow him to do. Non-Christians, a lot of them know they need Jesus. Non-Christians, when they hear the word and they experience the conviction of God, are pretty willing to repent. but man, a Christian who's been saved and and uses Jesus as a smokescreen for his own selfish ends and puts himself on a pedestal that others can't measure up to and judges all of them. Oh, that's dangerous. I think it's the most toxic thing ever. I think uh, that's why God picked Jonah. Hey, I mean, if I were to dare to think of putting myself in God's shoes, I, would, I probably wouldn't pick Jonah. I'd probably look at his heart, I'd open the door and go, <laughs> next one. And I would have picked a more viable candidate for missionary service who uh, had a real heart for evil people and stupid people and people that just sinned and I'm going to go for the worst, the hardest nut to crack and... And preach the gospel to them. I probably would have picked someone like that. But God picked someone who hated these people. And let him preach the gospel to them. With a heart of hatred. And so we see this. Amazing story of God's. Redemptive purposes. From two perspectives. We see how God brings a whole people group. To repentance and so we see god working repentance in a or conviction in a corporate setting but we also see how he has this microscopic laser focus this personal approach to the individual and how he leads them in repentance as well But I mean, look at what Jonah went through in order for God to bring him to this place. I mean, God saved the Ninevites for the purpose of saving the Ninevites. He cares about them. He wants them to be saved. So he made it happen. But he orchestrated all of this in such a way for the sake of Jonah. I mean, Jonah never would have changed if he stayed in Israel. He may never have even known that he had a problem. God really cares about us. God had to call him and, and, you know, and Jonah ran away. God had to send this insane storm in his direction and put him inside the belly of a fish in the middle of the ocean just to get him to start changing his heart. Like, that's a stubborn man. Then he had to change an entire city to address the real issue going on inside Jonah. I mean, figuratively speaking, God had to move mountains just to move one person. I mean, I have the potential to be stubborn but I don't want to wait for everything around me to be moved in order for me to be moved, amen? Like, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to be the first thing that God moves. And because of God's movement in me, I want that that testimony to shine and, and cause other things around me to move. Like, is that not what we want? What's the point of going... Through all these things, if we're just trying to get to the other side, I'm just trying to get through it. Or sometimes, you know, a more noble motivation might be, well, I want to be an encouragement for other people. Great. Do you want to be an encouragement for other people just to get through their problems and remain the same person? Or do you want them to push closer to Christ in their problems? What are you trying to encourage people to do? There's a big difference between the two. I don't want to waste my time going through an issue and then, and then think, well, what did I actually get out of that? Am I tougher and think I have more strength than what I really have? Like, I'll just concrete myself in my own pride. God can't work with pride. Pastor Steve says it to me all the time. I don't know why I don't need to hear it. Maybe you should say it to Pastor James or something. See what I did there? Pride can't take advice, not even God's advice. I'm sorry. I need to hear it a lot. Come on, let's be the first thing that's moved by God. You know, I think of Romans eight twenty-eight. You know Romans eight twenty-eight. Most of us probably don't need to turn there. You know, it says that. Uh, and we know (laughs) that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose great scripture I quote it a lot but what's it talking about is it talking about God works all the circumstances in our favor is it talking about just favor with the things around us I don't think so. When I look at the context of the whole chapter, it's talking about something else. But let's just let's read the very next verse, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The whole purpose for you going through things is for your Christ-likeness doesn't need any other reason you might say it's for other people we well, your Christ likeness if you're growing in Christ likeness it will shine to other people that's just it's a fruit grow in Christ likeness hallelujah so you want to deal with double mindedness you look at the life of Jesus Christ in his work and become more of a believer in it don't focus on changing your behavior and uh, you want to deal with self righteousness in your life Humble yourself and assume that you haven't got it all together yet. Pray the prayer of David. Lord, show me my hidden iniquity and lead me in the way of everlasting. I think when David wrote that, he wasn't feeling like there was an issue. But he knew the nature of God and he knew the nature of himself. So he knew there was a problem anyway. Lord, reveal it to me so I can repent of it and and follow you and get to know you. Amen. Lessons from Jonah. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you care so much about us, that you don't just want to save other people. You care about our mind renewal. You want to expose those things in us that are at war with you. Because you want us to become like you. Because it's best for us. And Lord, you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You get glory when you change us. It's so worth it, God. We were dead. And now we are alive. You did it all. Not us. Lord, expose in us those areas in our lives where we have diminished you, where we doubt you and doubt your ways, or think that our ways are better, Lord God, or our ways feel better, or, or we're in control, Lord God. We don't want any of that. We want to entrust ourselves to you. We want to believe in you more. Lord, would you expose in us where those things in us are that we don't even know they're there, We don't want to be self-righteous. We don't want to be a blockage to the gospel, Lord God. Father, we ask to be humbled in whatever way you deem necessary, but Lord, open our ears that we may hear so that maybe we can lessen the impact and obey you sooner. We trust you, God, and we thank you that you love us so much. Reveal the righteousness of your Son to us. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen.